This is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Yankees with the six-game winning streak go to Kansas City tonight. It is Friday, and we're going to do something different. I had assigned the Mensa brothers a little bit of a homework assignment, and that was that we were going to discuss six articles, uh, all that had discussed Force Design 2030. And um, so I didn't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I changed my mind. I said, you know, I, I can't do that. It's Friday. Come on. So um, last night. I uh, interviewed Tim because he was tied up this morning. And um, so I asked him a series of questions. And then this morning when Will and Jeff and I recorded something a little bit ago, I asked them the same questions. So um, that's what you're going to hear today. The, um, the questions are as follows. Well, the first thing I asked Tim about is being fact-checked. <clears throat> Tim, because he's, you know, put himself out there as a podcast expert. And um, he's been taken a task for saying that Texas has high chaparral desert. They do not. 
He's also been taken to task uh, for mispronouncing Texas words. Yeah. They don't appreciate carpetbaggers coming to town and mispronouncing the words they use. So anyway, so I asked him about that. And then and then separately, um, Will and Jeff come on. And then we do a preamble. Jeff's in Washington, D.C. speaking uh, today at an event over the weekend. So anyway, uh, we talk about that. And then these are the questions that they answer. Okay, Greatest speech in American history. That's number one. Two, their choice of steak, right? Steak and what do you have on it? So if you were going to have a great steak and you're, you, you're going to walk into a restaurant and order it, what do you order? Okay, so that's question number two. Number three, when you go to Washington, D.C., I was there last week. Coincidentally, Jeffrey, or two weeks ago I was there. Jeffrey's there this week. Will lives, lives there, has lived there a fair amount of his life, and, and as has Tim. Um, what is the one site that you love going to the most? So you hear that. Um, <clears throat> next question. Who, what person in your life has had the greatest influence in your life? Uh, for me, it's my mom. My mom is the voice I hear in my head. Be nice to people. <laughs> Be nice. Be nice to people, right? Um, yeah, my mom. Um, next one. Next question was: If you could create an ideal job for yourself today, what would that job be? Um, next one. This is interesting. Don't make this mistake in your life. Kind of interesting answers you get um, there. Next question is, the best piece of advice anybody ever gave you in your life is? And then the last question is, before you die, what is one thing you still want to do? So you're going to hear that today. Yeah, so a little bit different. And every once in a while we do something like this. And uh, so it's, but you, they're all interesting human beings. And so I think you will enjoy the conversation. So uh, that's what we're doing today. Other than that, um, good morning to you on this Friday. The last, uh, let's see, Monday is is May 2nd, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Sunday is May 1st. Monday is May 2nd. That would be correct. And so, uh, yeah, you got that going for you. So... um, Welcome to the last Friday in April, and uh, interesting show today, although it's a little bit different than, than much of the things that we do, and we will um, we will take a look at that, at those six articles, and then we'll do the same thing for um, uh, some of the stuff that's come out defending Force Design 2030, and we'll go ahead and look into that and give you our opinions about that. So good morning on this uh, on this Friday morning. And honestly, uh, I I enjoy these kind of shows. Um, yeah. And Whitney Houston will naturally sing the national anthem. Good morning.
And this is dedicated to the uh, members of the Ukrainian military that are fighting um, the Russian military. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if they have any sense of how important their effort is to free nations around the world, um, standing up for their country, uh, no matter what you think of the Ukraine. Um, and so uh, keep up the great work. Um, fair winds and following seas to you guys. All right. And uh, do good shit out there. betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't, we don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We got to do what these Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds to win. You gotta win. Alright, <clears throat> we'll check the weather here around the world. See what's going on. And then very briefly check some news headlines. And then uh, you'll hear the Mensa Brothers. Yeah, and what I I I enjoyed it. Yeah, and I'm probably there. I'm their biggest critic, no, no doubt. Um, currently in Quantico, it is sunny in 56 uh, in Havelock, North Carolina, the home of the Second Marine Air Wing. It is mostly cloudy in 64. 29 Palms report sun in 64. 
You know what? I I screw myself up all the time by just messing with something a little bit too much. And I just did it again. So 29 Palms in Kiev, it is partly sunny in 59. Here in the Costa Mesa, Newport Beach area of Southern California, it is mostly cloudy in 59. Looking for a high today of 69, 71 tomorrow, 69 on Sunday, 70 on Monday, 68 on Tuesday. All right, that is a a look at your weather here on a Friday. And um, let me very, very quickly go through uh, news headlines. And when I say quickly, I mean quickly. Top story in Stars and Stripes is... NATO fighter jets intercept Russian planes over the Black and Baltic Seas. So that is in the news. (coughs) Also reports of uh, a former Marine was killed in the fighting in Ukraine. That's in the news. Top story in the Wall Street Journal this morning is... How much Tesla stock Elon Musk sold in order to buy Twitter? The ramifications of him buying Twitter, right? Still reverberating around the uh, the media outlets on online. The Russian military and Vladimir Putin at its controls continues to wage war against Ukrainian civilian targets. An apartment building was hit, 21-story apartment building, struck by Russian missiles last night uh, under fire. So people trying to rescue um, civilians out of that. Russia cuts interest rates as its economy reels from the war. Poland supplies Ukraine with hundreds of Soviet-style tanks. That in the news. Um, top headline in the New York Times is West resolve to block Russia grows amid fears of a protracted war. From the Washington Post, top story there is cracks emerge. In Russian elite, as tycoons start to bemoan the invasion. Top story in USNI News is Japan's ruling party calls for counterattack capability as they increase their defense budget. Next story is the Navy's FAXX fighter will be the quarterback for a team of unmanned aircraft. I thought that was the F-35's job. It had all those capabilities. Evidently not. F-35 would be doing something else. 
Um, top story in Marine Corps Times is the story of Trevor Reed, former Marine who was um, imprisoned in Russia and released in a prisoner swap yesterday. So that is in the news. Mm, top story, top five stories in the early bird today, very quickly, are number one, American killed fighting alongside Ukrainian forces, 22 years old. His name is Willie Joseph Cancel, C-A-N-C-E-L. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. His family confirmed he was killed. Next story is the A-10. A-10 officials issues warning over U.S. Air Force's devastated warthog fleet. Warthog fleet. The U.S. Air Force official managing the A-10 Thunderbolt aircraft says the service is hollowing its warthog fleet by, fleet by starving it of resources amid a push to retire the aging attack plane. That is in the news. That's been a long fight. The Air Force wants to get rid of it. Other people want to keep it. That's in the news. Troops allege military's COVID vaccine mandate is a religious purge. Three active duty service members appeared in a segment aired Thursday on a podcast hosted by hosted by Representative Matt Getz, accusing the Department of Defense of using COVID to intentionally purge religious service members. Um, at Fort Bragg, one soldier was killed, three injured in a vehicle accident on Thursday. The future NGAD fighter jets could cost hundreds of millions apiece. That would be twice the cost of the F-35 price tag. Amazing. Amazing. All right. So that's about all the bad news I want to read today. And so what you're going to hear now is a conversation with the Mensa brothers. Now, Tim, I did last night because he was busy this morning, and I pieced this together, right? They, my friends, will answer a series of questions, okay? And uh, let me go over the questions one more time before before I hit play on this, okay? Number one, greatest speech in American history. Number two. Your favorite steak. Number three, when you go to Washington, D.C., what is the one site that you love to visit? Number four, person in your life who had the greatest influence over you. Number five, for you today, not in your life, but today, what would your ideal job be? Which is interesting because Tim and Jeff give the same answer. Next question, don't make this mistake. Next question, best piece of advice anybody ever gave you in your life? And the final question, before I die, I want to accomplish one thing. So with that said, pretty interesting segment of the Mensa Brothers coming up. And it begins right now.
we're shifting gears a little bit today, and and we're going to go in order that we always go in, but for a different reason. Um, Jeffrey is legendary for being the Nightingale, and so there was a time during the show's history that he had to go very high on the list because he would copy the answers of other people. Now, that may be real or perceived. It doesn't matter to us. It's real to us. And so he <laughs> he went to the top of the list, and he's traveling today. And so he will go first throughout the course of the day. Um, so he can't copy Will. So, Jeffrey, first of all, you're not in either the Eastern or Western White House. You're in uh, Washington, D.C., yes? Yes, I am. Do I have to make admit that I'm aware of my rights under Article 31 before this? Uh, no. No. Okay. In this, hey, in, you know, in this criminal justice system, you have no rights. So we would not Mirandize you or anything such. I know. you Already I'm like Secretary Mayorkas here. You're in my ass. <laughs> Calling me a liar and stuff like that. It's, it, no, it's very dodge, man. It's not true. I don't. I have original thoughts. Okay. I've almost been jailed because of them, so let's move on, though. Exactly. Let's, let's steer away from yeah. that. So what are you in D.C. for? I am uh, the guest speaker at the Memorial for Lieutenant Shane Childers, who was the first uh, Marine killed in uh, OAF-1 in uh, March of uh, 2003. Got it. And um, so explain to us the event. The the event is to honor him. Is it by yeah. guys in his unit? Is it by somebody else? What is the event? Now, this is unique, unique in all the memorial um, and reunion stuff that I've been to and everything. And that it's not, usually those things are unit by unit. Right. Like like one five will do one. You know, first recount doing that type of thing. This one is that IOC class. That, those fifty guys. Every five years, they come back, or four years, they come back together. Oh, every five years, I'm sorry. They come back, they get together here in D.C., and, they, and, the, and the, uh, the event is for children, but it's grown into a lot more of that. And these are, almost all of them are out of the Marine Corps now. Like, you know, they're businessmen and so forth. And, uh, and that's what this thing is. And now Childers uh, kind of crosshatches a, diff- a couple different things, because Childers was a prior enlisted guy who was who went to the Citadel, and uh, he was he was a, a Wheeler Award winner when, when he went through IOC, and uh, and he went to one five, and my stepson was in one five, so and he was one of the two KIAs that Alpha Company one five took. One was Childers, who was a rifle platoon commander, and the other one was the the company gunnery sergeant, gunnery sergeant Bohr. and they had. Uh, they had two KIA and about 70-some WIA from all the, the Thunder runs you know, going through Baghdad with the RPGs going off over the, the AAVs and guys getting hit with shrapnel. But, uh, and those guys stayed pretty close. And there's a lot of people in, in that battalion, 1-5, who uh, you, know, you run into, like uh, Colonel Clay Tipton, who just retired a little while ago. He was, I think, the, uh, the OPSO or the XO at that battalion. There's a lot of people that you would know. You know, I mean, I know you're a veteran of 1-5 yourself, Max, back, uh, I think, before the Civil War. But, uh, you know, anyway, the uh, there's a lot of people from in the 1-5. And it, so this thing is crosshatched with a lot of different guys. Matter of fact, um, as the guy who picked me up, the guy who's running this thing, it, it knows you very well for post-traumatic winning, uh, Ed Slavis. Yeah. And uh, 
And he, we talked, we ended up talking about you. I thought, holy shit, not only on the podcast tomorrow, but here I'm talking about <laughs> Mac all the middle of the night driving through from BWI. How much to, better? Uh, how much better can my life get? That yeah. is a definition of hell. Right there. <laughs> I am in heaven. Oh, my God. God has finally bestowed this upon me. Um, no, he's a smart guy. He got out. He's, I, he's, I think he's a real estate guy, does real estate in D.C., and I met him through uh, an organization called Bar X that brings units together that fought together, guys who want to get together, and I met uh, him up in Montana. He brings guys from his company together up there, and no, he's just he's, he's, great, he's a great guy. Um, yeah, and he's helped my son Patrick get uh, going professionally. And uh, right, no, yeah, give him my best. But no, he he yeah, he, he does he, good. He not he, surprised he's involved in it. He does good things. Yeah, three four guy, three four guy. Yeah, the um. So Jeff's in D.C. for that, and joining me, um, will up late last night, and uh, indulging his. I'm not sure if you call it a habit or a vice. What would you, Jeffrey? Would you call? Will's poker addiction, would you call it a habit or a vice? Well, it's a crime. He's a predatory um, <laughs> shyster who takes people's money, you know? But, uh, not, just so, that, just so everybody knows, when Jeffrey, who's a amateur historian of organized crime, calls somebody a criminal <laughs> and a shyster, that's uh, an informed opinion. So, and jo- it's not necessarily an insult. I mean, I mean it in the nicest possible <laughs> way. <laughs> so joining us in the greater Kansas City area, up late, um, trying to reverse his heretofore bad luck in calendar year 2022, is William Costantini. Will, how are you? Great, but don't forget, there's nothing about luck, right? This is, it's, you're doing probability-based decisions. Sometimes probabilities, mm-hmm. you know, pay off the wrong way. The key is to always attempt to be on the right side of the probability when you get your money in. So that's a very, very um, fancy explanation of gambling. Hey, and uh, you know that when Jeff says he meant it in the nicest possible way, <laughs> that 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 means you need your back body armor on because the shiv is coming right in, or at least the pressure dressing because it's already in. Most yeah, of the time, yeah. it's already in. Okay, so. We were going to do the six articles, um, but I just can't take it. Okay, I'm I'm tapped out. So uh, we'll do that next week. And the six articles that we'll talk about are uh, John Schmidt's article that he wrote, and and they go in chronological order. Then articles by General Zinni, uh, Lieutenant General Van Riper, uh, Lieutenant General Newbold writes about manpower, and Lieutenant General Dake, uh, or, or General Dake, I think, uh, writes about a- aviation. And and then at the end of that, um, in a very, very historical way, General Krulak, former commandant, uh, General Sheehan, and General Zinni um, published a piece in the Washington Post that take on the, the sitting commandant of the Marine Corps. And so that is the sixth article. So I've, I've tasked my friends here with yanking out of each article two or three points. And uh, but that's it because uh, there's four of us, and we'll go through the six articles, and and we'll talk about them, and then uh, then after we do that, probably towards the latter part of next week or maybe the week after, we will take on the opposition's arguments, and and we will 
discuss them in a similar fashion. So, so that's what was supposed to happen. So I got ready to do that last night and record Tim. And when I got ready to do it, I didn't feel like doing it. So we didn't do it. So that's the genesis of the show. So this show will follow. This is going to scare the shit out of everybody. This show will follow Tim's lead. Okay. And um, so Tim has had kind of a tough week as a podcast expert. <laughs> and so I want to get your thoughts on this. You you starting, you outed yourself really uh, with the Wizard of Oz thing that you would become, in fact, a podcast expert. And now, in fact, your um, your opinions are being fact-checked on a daily basis, which yeah, has to be an uncomfortable feeling for a guy like you. <clears throat> and so I just want to get your thoughts, and this goes, <laughs> this, we're talking about the high chaparral of Texas that evidently does not, <laughs> does not exist in Texas, and also the fact that you mispronounce a word. Which one? This is the subsequent criticism of you. I don't even think you've heard this yet. Uh-uh. He also constantly mispronounces Texas words. Llano Estacando. Estacado? Llano I, I Hey, I know that, do. Well, you know the, what? But the state plains is what it translates to. I get that right. Llano. Llano Escondado is, all, is what Estacado. I believe. Estacado. Estacado. Say that with me. Estacado. Estacado. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, I, so, I know that. Too. This is a level of scrutiny that you have not had to endure heretofore. And I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, you've kind of coined this term being a podcast expert. And um, you kind of made a little bit of a cottage industry about it. How do you feel about it that it's now been, I don't want to say it's been turned against you, but certainly you're undergoing a level of scrutiny that, you have not really had to endure for no. It's 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 true. It's true because you know I'm I'm a I'm a international man of 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 action and, and essentially I'm not like a book learned like, guy kind of like James so I've been Bond? in so many different desert environments it's it's hard to keep them all straight Mac but boy I could have sworn to a chaparral around here somewhere but the but holy smokes I was not even remotely close it's like <laughs> Oregon's where it is and stuff holy smokes I don't even know what chaparral is apparently. <laughs> Because I remembered a television show, and it looked a lot well, like Well, where West did it come from? Just your the the show, no, High I Chaparral. Trying, I, I thought High to... Chaparral was in New Mexico. Yeah, I thought so. I I thought it was this dry scrub grass that you see around here that consists mainly of old, you know, mesquite and prickly pear and that kind of stuff. And I was dead ass wrong. Apparently, Chaparral is is like is like the desert part of Oregon, which is sort of like Idaho, and that's a whole different environment. Yeah. I, I, Bill from Texas is not pleased with you, just so you know. Hey, he has every right not to be. But, you know, as a podcast expert, um, it's difficult sometimes, given the amount of exposure to the rest of the world as, my, as I try to frantically stay ahead of – you see, my brain works fast, my, my mouth not so much so. I get confused. Well, I don't know. Your yeah. mouth works pretty fast. Well, my brain's faster, though. That's the problem. Is it's just lightning quick. And so every once in a while, I'm going to get up over my skis. And now I get called on it, which makes me feel good. It just makes me up my game. Because otherwise, if I, I start getting sloppy, who knows where that kind of stuff could go. Yeah, that would take you to a bad like, place. Tr- All right. Yeah. So you're not 
you don't find it daunting that you're being fact checked on a on a daily basis. I find it amazing people are listening to me any damn way. So it's uh, it, the fact that somebody's fact checking me is even better. I'm like, holy smokes, there's people in Texas that fact check me, and I can't say Lano Escadado. Yeah, I I've uh, yeah my my Spanish Estacado. is Estacado. Yano yeah. Estacado. Yano Estacado. Yeah, I should. Estacado. This is like Costatini. It's tough. You know. Don't don't do that to me. Okay. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not here. I have the problem too. No, I call when you throw Costatini out there, that messes with me. All right? I'm, <laughs> I'm at a peaceful. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm I, at a peaceful I, place I, right now with it. I, I, it's not very podcast expert to put the host on the on the spot like that. I'm, well, I'm it certainly is not because nobody <laughs> wants to incur the wrath of the leader. Okay. Now, next question. Question number two. According to Tim Lynch, the greatest speech in American history is Gettysburg Address. Okay. Was that, oh, that's your speech. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, I, Gettysburg now, Address. If I asked you right now to pull up the Gettysburg Address and, and extract the two sentences within the speech that you think are the greatest pieces of Lincoln's rhetoric that day. And I'll allow you to do that. Um, <clears throat> what would you say? You can't, you said that very quickly. I might have, right? Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's a classic brother. Okay. Hold on a second. Here we go. So, Oh, for fucking Christ's sakes. So here I am trying to be a podcast professional and cheat on you and say, what are the two best lines in Lincoln's speech? And up comes a CNN thing and it says, four score and seven years ago. God damn it. Hold on a second. I got to do this. So it took you to CNN. Yeah, I know. I know. What the hell? That should really scare you where this whole podcast expert thing is taking you. I'm telling you, but but, and I'm on DuckDuckGo too. It's not like I'm uh, I'm sitting there... um, uh, speech text. There we go. Oh, come on. Where's the tech? No, I'm. Let me find the thing. I'm. I'm sorry, Mac. I'm having. Uh, there you go. A PDF. Yes. Thank you. Okay. So, first sentence. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate. We cannot concentrate. Conse- consecrate. We cannot hollow this ground. Then the next one is the, is a, is a, is that these two, the brave men living and dead who struggled here, having consecrated it far above our poor power to add and distract. Those that those two lines to those me are two the, lines the best. Are the greatest lines yeah, of the greatest speech. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Yeah, particularly how he talks. Everybody that was there is an American, not differentiating between the sides. Gotta love that. Got it. The first question, Jeffrey, to you, is the greatest speech in American history. What was it? The Gettysburg Address, I think. Okay, give me a sentence out of the Gettysburg Address that you think is the greatest sentence in the speech. Oh, that's a good question. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's... um... I would say the... uh... Do you want me to give you a minute to pull the uh, speech up? No, no, I, I, I'm going through it in my mind. It's like uh, the snazzy, I mean, the guy's speech only lasted like a minute and a half. Uh, 
but it was uh where he the the part where he says better angels of our nature that's the, i always remember that better angels of our nature uh, you know basically push us toward uh you know ending slavery and stuff like that and uh and coming together again as a nation so that, the, i think the better angels of our nation okay. of our nature yeah yeah all right, hold on. Uh, four score and seven years ago, we're now engaged. We meet, we meet on the great battlefield in a larger sense, the brave men. It is for us to living. It is rather for us to be dedicated to the great task. I don't see that. Did you just add a sentence to the Gettysburg Address? No, no, I didn't. I'm sure it's in there. I guess I, there's more to the speech than that than what you just said. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any other nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who gave their their lives that the nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we do so, but in a large sense, we cannot dedicate, nor can we consecrate, nor can we hollow this ground. The brave men and women living, the brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated far far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is rather for us, the living, to, get it, to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here fought here have thus so far nobly advanced it is rather for us to be dedicated to the great task remaining before us that from these honored dead we take increased devotion to that cause for which we have for which they gave their last full measure of devotion that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain that this nation under god shall have a new birth of freedom and that government of the people by the people for the people shall not perish from the earth yeah, all right. He said it in another speech, the better angels of our nature. <laughs> but then the second thing. God, what the fuck, man? I know it. I know. It's embarrassing. I know you set me up for this. Too. No, I didn't. But, uh, I didn't. I, like, I, fact checking. Fact checking is a new thing when it comes to Albany Radio. It, it didn't yeah. even come from me. I guess the last full measure uh, line is my favorite line to that one, man. The other one, I can't remember which speech it was about uh, the better angels of our nature, but it was. Uh, it was Lincoln's speech. Um, I just, no, obviously I can't remember because I thought it was this one. But Lincoln. Anyway, so there it is. Better angels of our nation? Of our nature? Nature. nature. Yeah. Let me see if... Uh... Uh, when did Lincoln say better angels of our nature? March 4th, 1861. That's his, in his first inauguration speech. First inaugural. Yeah, okay. I mixed it up. Sorry. No, that's Sorry, all right. folks. That's so would you say <laughs> that that line makes that your favorite speech, or would you still go back to the Gettysburg Address? I'd go back to Gettysburg Address. And I'll tell you why. Because the guy before him was like over a half hour, and the guy after him, I think, was like an hour and ten minutes. And he, he that speech you just read off, that's how long the speech was. He said more in that short, you know, pithy speech than, uh, than, you know, everybody else, probably most of the speeches we hear now yeah. for sure. And the, and the irony of they will little what remember 
Yeah. What we say here. Yeah, yeah. see, I fucking couldn't. Of course, I can't remember what I said yesterday. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah. No, and the irony yeah. is it goes down as one of the greatest speeches in American history. All right. Well, uh, real greatest speech in American history. Um, I like Gettysburg Address, but I, I also like uh, Lincoln's second inaugural. Um, because he's making the point that it's time to uh, to reunite, and uh, you know the famous line in there is uh, like, "With malice towards, towards none, none, charity for all." Um, will something about those who fought? Um, will take care of those who fought their widows and their orphans um, to get a, a, like a lasting peace or a just peace or something like that. It's, it's actually chiseled up on the uh, Lincoln Memorial when you go in there. And, and, and it's something when you, when you read that at the Lincoln Memorial, I guess you could pull it up and read it. I'm looking for it right now. Read the, you read the complexity of the language. It sounds so complex to us today, <laughs> but it's so clearly and poetically um, yeah. describes. The guy never went to college. Yeah, well, it describes an event. So. One of the things you, you uh, when you read the official records of the Civil War, you know, you it's the way they communicated, right? They wrote uh-huh. in longhand. And if you read Buford's dispatches on the way up to Gettysburg, you know, it's this flowery prose that he writes, you know, this narrative that you're reading and you're like, what's he, did he think he was in like English class writing these reports? Because it is the way yeah. they communicated. And, and this is a quote, true. quote, yeah, here it is. With malice, you want go ahead and read it, Will. Well, I, yeah, I, that that's at the end of the speech. So first, we we'll just do the beginning of it. So this is a second inaugural, which has taken place. Um, eighteen sixty four. Yeah, no, eighteen sixty five, spring of sixty five. So yeah. right, the election. I don't day. know if it's right before, or right after Appomattox. You're not. I'm not here. Before in March. Okay, so just before, in March in those days. Yeah. yeah, just before Appomattox. So, fellow countrymen, at this second appearing to take the oath of the presidential office, there is less occasion for an extended address than there was at the first. Then a statement somewhat in detail of a course to be pursued seemed fitting and proper. Now, at the expiration of four years, during which public declarations have been constantly called forth on every point and phase of the great contest, Etc. Etc. I mean, just the language, but then the, so the end is really with malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right. Let us strive on to finish the work we are in to bind up the nation's wounds, to care for him who shall have borne the battle, and for his widow and his orphan to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and with all nations. I mean, 
It just, you know, the language is unbelievable. But that that particular line, with malice toward none, with charity for all. Well, you know what? And I think that uh, this whole uh, narrative of um, bleaching our history, you know, to, oh. you know, to me, um, I mean, think about this: the Civil War is the most costly war in American history. At the time, we had thir- we had ten percent of the population that we have today. We had thirty million people. Think about that. The most costly war with 10% of the population. It affected the entire nation in not a small way. And so, in my opinion, you know, and, and at first, directly after the Civil War, the Southern states were not allowed to put up any war monuments to their the, the number of dead, you know, sons and, and, and fathers and that they had. And ultimately, in an effort to bind the nation's wounds— Right and and move the nation beyond the Civil War. They were allowed to do so. So when and and that's we don't teach that right. In order to you know for this to be a nation, this ha- they they thought that this had to happen. The same thing with the Electoral College and all these other you know we don't have a nation but for these institutions because. Because Connecticut is not thrown in with anybody. South Carolina wasn't thrown in with anybody because New York City, Boston, Philadelphia, and Baltimore would have ran the yeah. whole show. And so to yeah. me, we, we miss these great opportunities to teach. Why, are these, why were these things even allowed? Oh, yeah. really? And so the challenge yeah. should have been, in my opinion, that we teach, that, that we then use that, that opportunity to teach the whole story, which is less than four blocks from here and four different buildings, over 150,000 black human beings were sold into slavery, right? In a 60 square mile radius over, you know, over the course of, you know, 150 years, but, you know, to teach the whole story. And, you know, so when we just tear them down and throw them away, we just miss this great opportunity to teach about, this experiment in democracy that that doesn't come without flaw, but is better than anything else on the planet. And it's just painful. But, you know, Matt, but it's, it, well, what you've just defined is the, the division and struggle we have today, because that's not an accident. It's not. And don't it's not. And the whole point is, it's not we. There is a concerted effort and starting with the schools. I mean, probably decades ago to teach lies or to teach only part of the story and for different reasons. And it's come to fruition now where, you know, they're, at, they're not teaching those, uh, you know, the nuts and bolts of the history of the mechanics of our government, which guarantee, you know, the, the freedoms that we have. And, uh, and so that's, a, that I think is a big struggle we have now. Right. And it's good to go back through things that you just went through because that's, uh, you know, no, it that, changes, that's, it, cha- it changes, that's how the, we did it. right. It changes the way you look at your, like, Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that. And, and so, no. Most, I, democracies, yeah. most democracies don't last because eventually the majority picks a minority wow. that they can't stand and they tear them up. And, but that's our government, our Constitution, and the bill, subsequent Bill of Rights and everything, they, they deter that. And that's why we should be able to last. Wow. Now, did, yeah, Tim, so he, did Tim want – what was Tim's speech, if you don't mind my asking? No, Tim's was the Gettysburg Address. And his okay, favorite okay, – all three of us then said Lincoln, which proves once again that our culture is guided by not only that stuff that you just lit off, but also the Wizard of Oz. Because in the Wizard of Oz, it says, with the thoughts you could think in, you, you'd be another Lincoln if you only had a brain. 
So, so here's a question, though, to just to make a point. Um, so at the end of the war, they had a big rally in Washington, D.C., spontaneous. They went down to the White House. They asked for the president to come out, and they had a band. And what song did President Lincoln ask the band to play? Dixie. 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 So did you know that, Mac? I did. You did know that. So the three of us knew that, right? I have yet, outside of my father, I have yet to pose that to anyone who knew the answer to that. Teachers, educated people, etc. It's a fundamental key part of history that us jamokes all knew, right? Right. And that the average American doesn't know. And I have I have said that to teachers who were shocked when they heard that. And I say, but don't you understand? You know, I was mm-hmm. just, a, here's another kind of interesting history question. If I asked you, so I was just up at Camp David, right? And I was in the inner compound, just so everybody knows, right? So I'm on the back porch of the president's home. And there's a hot tub back there. And the dead OIC looks at me and says, who do you think put the hot tub in? And I thought for a minute. So let me let me ask both of you, who do you think put the hot tub in up at Camp David? Clinton. Will? Absolutely. <laughs> Bill Clinton, not Hillary. Yeah. Bill. Yeah, well, she never, despite her, her delusions, she never was president yet. <laughs> the, uh, that is true. That is true. So you can see there's some... There's some questions that lend themselves to you know obvious answers. Others, not so much. And and Lincoln's the song he requested, not so much. Next, the um, if you were going to go out and order a steak in the finest steakhouse in the United States, what would it be? Um, uh, bone in port, uh, a tomahawk, bone in bone in ribeye, um, medium rare. Bone in ribeye, medium rare. Yeah, the, the does, tomahawk, the, the tomahawk ribeye. Yeah. And does it have any? Is there any garnishments uh, associated with that? Only garnishment authorized is uh, sautéed mushrooms. Sautéed mushrooms. Yeah, that and sautéed mushrooms. So that's that is your steak order. That is. Okay. Uh, if you were to go see one site in Washington D.C., what would it be? Got to go back and see just one site. It would be, uh, and it, it 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 would be the Smithsonian. Uh, specifically, which which specifically museum? the Space and Air Museum, the new one. Oh no, not now. No, have I'd you, go to the you, Natural History Museum. That now that I've been out here in the West and I'm a natural history guy, I forgot about that. You'd go to Natural I, History. I, have you been to the new? To the, have you been to the new Smithsonian? I have not. Air and space. I, no. not, not. It's the space. Aviation in space, I think it's called. It's out by. Du- I have, it's I out went by to Dulles. One in the nineties, but the, I haven't been like to the human, uh, not the human, the natural history portion and whatnot. Probably since. No, the, no. I you, I'm talking about the one, the Air Museum that's out by Dulles. Have you been to that? Yeah, in, I've not been to that one. I went to the Air and Space okay, down that the space the, shu- the space shuttles in. No, I've not seen that one. No. You you need to put that on your list. Yeah. So you would say. Well, let me ask you, let me rephrase that. Your favorite place to go in D.C. in terms of the monuments, not where you would go next, but uh, well, this, your, favorite, where your favorite 
place, I, your look, favorite place is, to go? This is a this is a very difficult for me to answer because you're going to be because you're going to go no, but I'm gonna tell you the Lincoln Memorial. I love going to the Lincoln Memorial. I, the last time I was in D.C., I think it was 2010. I went and sat on the damn Lincoln Memorial that evening. I was just so damn happy to be there because I'd come right out of from Afghanistan. Went to some stupid, I forget where I went, Center for the New American Security, I think is where I was. But yeah, I, I like I like the Lincoln Memorial, but you just said that because last week, so I uh, I feel guilty saying that. No, no, it. no, no, you don't. I, you don't feel guilty saying that. I, um, it's exactly I, where I went the last time I was there. It is one of the, I mean, the view from, let's say, the Washington uh monument is mm-hmm. not so great right although uh-huh. you can you can look in four directions and see something the view from the capitol you can't go view anymore because the capitol's tied up mm-hmm. uh, there was a day when we when we worked back in quantico when you could walk right into the capitol you'd just walk I, right in I, I i did it a couple times yeah. yeah yeah i mean you would walk into the rotunda you would hang out there you would walk into the different uh, there was the one, what, old Senate chamber where you could whisper on one side and the acoustics were so good you could hear it on the other. Uh, it was very odd and because of the odd acoustics in it. But anyway, um, so really if you want to see just uh, – I think there's two places to see an absolutely spectacular uh, view of D.C. And one of them is the Lincoln Memorial. The other one mm-hmm. is the uh, – the Marine Corps War Memorial, which is the Iwo Jima statue. And you if you yeah. go up there and you look back onto the whole mall, it's another spectacular view. But yeah, I, I would say those two. But I, 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 I concur with you. Um, what I love about it is, you know, I, I said this last week, but um, you go there and you hear all these foreign languages. Mm-hmm. And so while we may take our... Our, our democracy for granted. There's a lot of people that don't. And when they come to this country and they come to the nation's capital, they come to see Abraham Lincoln and uh, and the, with the Gettysburg Address. It just went underwent some kind of renovation uh, mm. uh, yeah, for the last couple, yeah, last couple of years. So anyway, yeah. the um, all right uh, next. All right, if you were gonna if you're going out to the finest steakhouse in the country, Jeffrey, what steak are you ordering? And how is it prepared? And are there any garnishments on it? The finest, wow. and and you're 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 not paying, and you're not paying for it. Oh, that's that, that's <laughs> that's just as a that's a shift in fires there. Um, I would say, uh, uh, fuck. I would say uh, I'd go to Ruth Chris Steakhouse, and I'd have a uh, T-bone steak, classic T-bone steak, uh, with uh, I have it medium rare. And I have a uh, a baked potato, loaded baked potato, as my side. That's it. I'm, I'm a vegetables guy too, but that's too. That's a that is a, a tremendous volume of protein you're putting in your system that with that. So I wouldn't really have anything else. Got it. Got it. Will. And a lot of booze to make it taste better. <laughs> that, that's a given. That always works. Yeah. So the steak I would order, which most of them don't have, would be a rib cap steak. A rib that's cap? Where you t- yeah, that's where you take that nice fatty part of the ribeye steak off and only serve that as a steak. Oh. Wow. If they didn't have the rib cap, I would have a ribeye, medium rare. 
Both are good. But that rib cap, you know, when you look at the ribeye, it's that fatty sort of part that wraps yes. around. Uh, right, right, right. Yeah, right, right, they right. can actually cut that and make a single steak out of it. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't realize yeah, you were, you were that. Actually, I actually thought it was the, the eye of the carver's <laughs> eye. All right. Learn something new every day, man. There you go. <laughs> If you were going to go out and order a steak in the finest steakhouse in the United States, what would it be? Um, uh, bone-in port, uh, a tomahawk, bone-in bone-in ribeye, um, medium rare. Bone-in ribeye, medium rare. Yeah, the, does, the tomahawk, the, the tomahawk ribeye. Yeah. And does it have any? Is there any garnishments uh, associated garnishment, with that? Only garnishment authorized is uh, sautéed mushrooms. Sauteed mushrooms. Yeah, that and sauteed mushrooms. So that's that is your steak order. That is. All right. Next question. The person that had the greatest influence in my life is my father. Yeah. Without without question, my dad. Explain. Well, you, you know, I I, I, I was not. I was not uh, a proficient high school student, uh, a student in high school. I was uh, a, I was a decent athlete, but I wasn't, uh, I was a horrible student. I mean, I barely graduated. And, uh, I, and my father finally gave up on even trying to encourage me, like by 11th grade, he's just, just, you know, just do your homework, try to do well and whatnot. And it wasn't until I got in the military, enlisted type, and, and suddenly, uh, um, I, I, it was Beirut. It was watching what was going on in Beirut and saying, hey, man, I, I don't like sitting on a ship like a loser. I, that, those guys on the beach are cool and shit. And I became convinced that I could uh, get through college and uh, and become an officer. And I did very well in college. I mean, three, seven, four, something like that uh, GPA. I mean, I, I did had no problems. And, and where, uh, where, where did you go to school? I went to school at Roger Williams. Uni- it's now Roger Williams University. At the time, it was a college I did most of my schooling at night while I was on active duty um, because at the t- I think the Navy paid 90% of the, of the tuition or something. And I had one, 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 like a semester and a half that I had to do by the time I, my enlistment finished. And I, and I did that in one semester and played on the, and walked on the lacrosse team and started. So that was cool. So I had a good college experience and, and, um, and, and, you know, but, but even when I wasn't, really doing what it was my father wanted me to do. Even when I was being a pain in the ass, he was very patient with me and he was very clear in explaining, you know, Tim, as you, the, the facts of life, the, the realities of the situation and whatnot, which I was resistant to it when I was young. I don't know what I was thinking, but it wasn't whatever it was. It wasn't very clear. And he was very patient with me. And as as Jeffrey knows very well, and and and, and you guys have probably deduced, my dad's a funny dude. He's he can get people rolling. And so that sense of humor that he imparted on me, along with his his faith and confidence in me, um, um, had a huge impact on on uh, on how I ultimately developed and ended up uh, ended up knowing you fine gentlemen here at the Marine Corps. Yeah, without right. question. All right. Next question. The person who's had the greatest influence in your life is Jeffrey. It sounds pretty simple, but my dad, I guess, my dad and mom. You know? Well, does that count? Or we got to find yeah, somebody I, else. Yeah, I mean, I say I would say absolutely the same thing. 
mom and dad. Yeah. Okay, so let me, so because that answer is so brief, Jeffrey, the thing that they gave you that you think that has made your life different than other people? Oh. Well, you know, sense of, uh, of uh, like, my parents' thing wasn't about, uh, what you know, what, what's my right? Uh, what's important for me? They are more about your responsibilities as an American citizen, as a human being, you know, to, uh, yeah, you have rights, but you have responsibilities, you know, and uh, that's why if my dad said, if you look at our Constitution, there's very little about what you what your right is. It's more what the rights the government does not have to, to do to you, you know, the rights are there are things that protect you, the individual, from being, um, and that's a huge privilege in history, to, to where there's the government itself and its founding document is all about what it cannot do to you, what it cannot require of you. Um, however, it, implicit in that is the fact that you, as a citizen, you have responsibilities, you know, and that's the thing, the sense of responsibility my parents put on me. Yeah. You know? Right. Well, you don't even know it. You don't even know it till after a lot of times, you know, years after. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I think uh, independent thinking and um, sort of you you uh, you sort of make your own way, kind of a thing. I mean, you know, my parent, both my parents, interesting sort of story. My dad. Um, Graduated high school when he was 16, uh, graduated college, um, big, big New York City high school. He went to Brooklyn High School, and my dad took it upon himself to learn a lot of things by himself because there's, you know, 100 kids in a class or whatever it was, so my dad could pick up a book and figure out the topic. Um, and then... I think one of the first of his generation of all his cousins and things that like went to college and then moved somewhere and got a job and went and did things outside the city. These were blue collar uh, Italian people, most of them children and grandchildren of immigrants um, who in many ways were discriminated against in New York City in the 20s and 30s. And, uh, and so he sort of broke through that. And then my mom, uh, grew up an army brat and, um, you know, after she graduated high school, uh, my, my grandparents lived in central Wisconsin, a little town called black river falls. My grandfather retired after the army and, uh, 18 years old, moved to Washington DC to live with her sister and got a job and moved out like independent. And, um, so I just think that, that a lot of the things that I sort of did were based on that kind of an upbringing. Up, upbringing. Not that there wasn't, you know, red lines and a safety net, but the, the, the safety net was pretty high. You couldn't fall very far, but the red lines are pretty wide. Um, and uh, I think that really shaped, you know, how I am. Your ideal job um, for you now, you've had a lifetime to work. 
Um, and now if you could go back or even, well, no, let me just put it today. So if you could create a job for yourself and then, and then stand up and do it, what would that job be? I'd, I'd like to be a writer and I'm trying hard to do that, but I would like to be able to come up with a writing project, um, flesh that thing out, um, get on it and complete it and move on to the next one. I, I, I would, I would really enjoy, uh, uh, being a guy that could write well. I mean, what would be my ideal outcome would be to end up like T.R. Fehrenbach or somebody like that. A guy that writes about interesting things, multi, multi-discipline things. And, uh, and sounds like he knows what he's talking about while he's doing it, even though, you know, Fehrenbach gets a lot of criticism these days from Texas historians as being a little two-dimensional. I don't, I don't agree. God knows he could write about the Korean War, though. But I would love, I, that would be my ideal job, to be able to, to actually produce books that people would be interested in buying and reading. That would, to me, would be the be-all and all. Is that something that's relatively new in terms of um, as you've evolved as a human being? Or yes. have you wanted to, or would you have said that 20 years ago? I, I wouldn't have said that 20 years ago. Even even when the blog was was booming, I I, the, my, I would read after I'd already posted. But my There were so many mistakes. It was almost embarrassing. I think the pictures are what kept people coming back. But... Um, I knew, it's 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 sort of like when I graduated high school. I never even considered college because I didn't think I was capable of doing it. Um, I I want to get past that hurdle. I think I am capable of doing it, but uh, of, uh, I don't of, think it's something write, I would have of done. writing. Of writing, yeah. In the past, I would have defaulted towards some type of a job that gave me very uh, 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 was well well rewarded monetarily because where I was making lots of money and whatnot. Yeah. I would have thought that would have been what I needed to do. But now that I've uh, studied sociology, I understand what the power of decommodification is. I'd much rather do something like you're doing, which is to be self-directed, self-sustaining, and producing something that other people find of significant value. So that that was that I would like to do what you're doing in writing, only not focused on a thing, but just writing about stuff that I find interesting and and writing well enough that other people find it interesting. You know, I would that that would be my ideal. If you could create a job for yourself today that uh, that you would love doing, what would that job be, Jeff? Um, I would you can create a job or what? What job? Uh, you can create one if you want to, or you can uh, state one. Um, but your the ideal job for you today at this stage of your life? I would love to write books fiction books based very loose and I mean very loosely on my experiences that I had in my life and things that interest me. Um, but the two things that stop me from that is I'm a lazy bastard and I don't know if I, I don't know if I have the talent for it, but, uh, I could tell a pretty good story and I can put a couple sentences together, but, uh, you know, I, I keep saying I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, but then I don't. You know, and it's, um, that is Tim. That's Timmy's ideal job. Yeah. Well, what's the ye? I would like to be um, the assistant 
coach for all the teams, right? Non-technical. I want to be the guy on the sidelines uh, during practice who's blowing the whistle, running drills, and um, harassing kids, uh, and, you know, patting them on the back and making them be better and uh, and only do it like two hours every afternoon. That way it doesn't get in the, get in the way. And I wouldn't even have to get paid for that job. Wow. I would love to be that old guy so the coach can go do technical coaching stuff. And, again, I don't care what the sport is. And you're just doing that background, mostly physical um, thing and – motivating kids and teaching them to stay in line and to, to, to win sometimes when you should lose and, and be a good loser when sometimes you should have won and doing all that stuff that all those coaches put into you when you were a kid. Of all the mistakes you've ever made in your life, what was the one, what is the one that you would, um, you would hold up to other people and say, don't make this mistake? Oh, my second marriage, which looks a lot like Johnny Depp's second marriage. That's that would be one. Hey, you see this good-looking girl here? No, 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 no. Don't talk to her even. Don't even get near her. That would be a great one. But uh, um, but yeah, I would I would I would say that. I would also say if I was talking to young people, I've mentioned this before on the podcast. I regret gaffing off high school and junior high school and not learning the fundamentals of writing for one, uh, of not being not being a hell of a lot better academically. Uh, it didn't hurt me in, in college because college it was business administration. I mean, how hard is that, right? It wasn't economics or anything. I wasn't doing math. But um, but I I really I really uh, uh, the, it, for for long term I would I would say it was gaffing off uh, high school and and junior high school and not thinking that an education would do me a, be of any good to me. Which I can't imagine why. It's did, like you that, actually, can't. did you actually? Did you actually? In retrospect, I just wasn't interested. And the things I was interested in, I did well in. The things that I wasn't, I mean, I got C's in um, because you know my mother was the driving force of my life, and I just I needed to make her happy, and and uh, and I didn't want to get sideways with my mom. But I wasn't. Interested, yeah, yeah. I, but I was not interested in school. I mean, and it's funny. I remember when I started writing um, for the Marine Corps Gazette and other publications, and I had stuff published. My dad looked at me and said, "What is this? Like, when? I, why weren't you interested when I was paying for it?" And I said, <laughs> I, I, "I, I, and I know it was a serious question." I said. I don't know. I just wasn't interested in it. It did not animate me in any way, shape, or form. My cousin, who was a 4.0, and he's he's one of my best friends, my cousin Tom, and he, you know, one day he said to me, we were talking about school, and he goes, I look at it like a ball game. I want to win. And I said, yeah. and I looked at him and said, what? Yeah. I'm like, are you out of your mind? That's, that thought has never that this was a competitive event and I had to do well in it never, ever crossed my mind. For me, it was a pain in the ass other than the things that I liked. And then I, uh-huh. then I, then I, I, I didn't want to do good because I wanted to do good. I did good because I was interested and I applied myself. 
I yeah. never looked at school as something that where I was competing and trying to do my best. I just never did. But I mean, and you're you're a smart guy. You never. No, I I would only I I remember in high school the only thing I excelled at was math because my football coach Don Alvey was the math teacher, and he wouldn't tolerate it. He said, "Hey, I'll bench your dumbass." You know, I beat if you don't get this down. Don Alvey's still in contact with me. I think he listens to this podcast. He used to read my blog all the time. God, he, God bless him. Great guy. But everybody else, I, I don't know if I, if I, if I, 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 I remember, I don't remember this. I think it was, I, I ran into a classmate. You know, you know, Bill Myers, right? Colonel Myers, good old Colonel Bill Myers. Uh, and yeah, well, he, I, I knew him I in, in the Marine Corps. And uh, he he was married to a high school classmate of mine, and I think it was her that said to me, "I always remember you in high school reading," which which was true. I would, I was like a little Jeff Kenny, but I think it's the only thing that saved me was I had a, a large vocabulary of words I mispronounced because I never learned how to pronounce them properly because <laughs> all I did was read them, and that may have been the only thing that saved me. But I. I have often wondered why I was almost uh, – where my antipathy towards fire I, – I, and I can't explain it because I'm not – I wasn't stupid. I, I, and I, I think it was – I was just bored. But I don't I, – at times I, I look back then and I think, you know, because it does affect you. I do have problems pronouncing words that had I paid attention when I was learning in school, I probably would have learned how to, you know, correctly pronounce stuff. It's, it's irritating when you do that. Don't make this mistake that I've made in my life. Jeffrey? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's Jeff regrets nothing that he's done. He's only regrets things that he hasn't done yet or wasn't able to do. Well, I'll have to tell you, the worm has turned a little bit there, Mr. Smarty Pants. <laughs> because what happens to everybody when they get older, I assume, is... I, I do regret some of the shit I've done now, but I still do regret the things I didn't do too. But you know, uh, yeah, uh, God, the regret thing. I mean, it's like uh, not regret. Don't I think regret. Don't make this mistake. Um, uh, jump into the uh, jumping from the discussion phase to the argument phase, and then jumping from the argument phase to the faith punching phase. I've been too quick in my life for all those, and I've hurt. You know, it's hurt me. You know, definitely. And sometimes I was in the right. Sometimes a lot of times I was. You know, but uh, anyway, because the worst, one of the worst things you have to do, if you're raised by my parents, from your earlier question, now I got to get responsibility to go fucking apologize. And uh, like, there was this kid I was in high school. We bumped into each other in front of. He was a Puerto Rican kid named Angel Cardona. And me and him go at it right there. And we they, we get caught, right? And our parents got to You know, my dad had to come. His dad had to come. We got shit camp from school for three days. So we're, while our, they're talking about what assholes we are, me and Cardona are sitting there. We're talking. Turned out to be a pretty good guy. Now it's, it's decades later. I'm getting ready to vote absentee ballot the 2016 election. And, uh, the representative from my area is this fucking guy, Angel Cardona. I don't know if it's the same guy, but he's running as a Democrat. So I vote for him out of a sense of payback. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I don't, it isn't him. It's another guy named Angel. Turns out Angel Cardona is it's, you know, kind of a common Puerto Rican name, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I voted for him. Though. 
So, Angel, if you're listening to this, I don't know why you would. I'm sorry for whacking you there, and I should have just ignored the you know, insult. Anyway. Well, don't make this mistake. Um, he never makes mistakes. No, I, 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 you know what, what struck me, particularly uh, when my kids graduated high school and went to college in particular, was how much of um, their growing up that I missed. Uh, part of it is, you know, the nature of, of what we do. Um, but I, I regret, particularly when they were really young, um, that I didn't devote a lot of energy or, or more energy, um, to my kids. And, uh, there's some reasons and some excuses. Yeah. In your defense, it's not like you, you were a big golfer and were and, or a big drinker out running the oh. streets or golfing all the time. You either worked or you were at home with your kids, like just about all the rest of us. Oh, right. Yeah, but it's somehow I it's uh, it and maybe it's weird. I, I don't know. I just remember. I mean, implanted in my brain, I could I could pick pull it up in in ten thousand pixels. Is uh, so so my kids were two years apart. My son was in school two years ahead of my daughters, but because he went to boot camp, uh, he didn't go to college till a year later. So they went to college. Boom, boom. Taking my son to college was no big deal. In fact, my wife used to say, Hey, it was easier sending him to boot camp to the college. Cause at least at boot camp, you knew someone was keeping their eye on. Um, but then, then the next year, my daughters both went to college and we dropped one off on a Saturday and one off on a Sunday. And the, the one on Sunday was at uh, Virginia Commonwealth, which is right in downtown Richmond. You know, it's an hour and 20 minutes from the house. And so we dropped my daughter off at of the dorm. And I can, it's like a movie I'm watching right now. Me and my wife walking down the street, the sidewalk, it's cobblestones, getting in the car, hour and 20 minutes, driving home. We didn't say a word to each other. And I was thinking the whole time, what happened? How how could we how can we be at this point that like our kids are all out of our house and and I mean it was it was uh, I I don't know if I could go back and do anything different. Who knows? But I, I just feel like um, I, I'm jealous of people, particularly around here where I live now, where everyone who lives here is from here and has been here their whole life. Um, they, they're they're much more involved now. My kids, I don't know if you pulled them, they might be perfectly happy that that <laughs> things were different. I don't know, but yeah, that's I. I don't know if that's a mistake, but I just yeah, it's, it's a it's a significant regret. You know, my significant. Th- I would answer this question. Don't make this mistake. Don't say fuck it when you shouldn't. And I've done that in my life. I always had this thing like, oh, look, I can fix it. Well, there's some things you say fuck it to that you won't be able to fix. And have a sense of that. Have a sense of a general zini. If this thing goes south, do I leave, lose a position or I lose the campaign? And um, uh, I don't, I've said fuck it in my life when I should not have said fuck it. 
and I paid uh, a price for it. Ultimately, I salvaged most of it, but um, there was things I could have avoided in my life if I if I had used my brain a little bit more uh, and not said fuck it so so quickly. Fuck it, let's do this, and and then ultimately really didn't kind of give the intellectual rigor to something I probably should have, and then paid a disproportionate price for it. So I'd say uh, be a little bit more reflective. What is the one piece of advice that somebody's given you in your life that you would say that piece of advice is has been indispensable to me? I would say it was a colonel. I think it might have been Labuti. It might have. I, I can't. I don't remember specifically who explained to me that you know you're very very good marine. And, and, and you're very, very, you're a very fit and smart guy. That's two legs on a stool. The third leg is your personal life, which, which is, uh, which is, I don't want to make comments on, but I think that he sensed at the time was in significant disarray. And he said, all three legs to sit on a stool. If you don't have the three legs, you don't have that foundation, then you're sitting on quicksand and, it, and it's going to consume you. And I do believe that ultimately he was proved correct on that on that point. But I think that was the best advice. And I don't specifically remember. I remember it was a colonel. I think it was one of my MU commanders, but I, I might I I don't remember exactly who. Interesting. Do you reflect mm-hmm. on that advice? And I sure as hell I did for a and, long time. And wonder why I, did you? I, wonder, I, what did you think? At the time, at the time, I thought I, I at the time I wasn't so sure about it. Now I firmly live that way. I mean, my three legs are are, are solid, um, and I will they'll never deviate from that again, no matter what. Because what he said at the time was absolutely true. Had I listened to him, I might have uh, had you know things might have turned out differently for me in, in my life. I wish I had at the time taken it a bit more seriously. I, at the time, though, I remember thinking, "Fuck, how the hell does he know I'm all that up?" <laughs> yep. I'm sitting there thinking where the hell the leaks coming from in my information security system, but uh, exactly. but that was that was something that obviously stuck with me. I mean, it stuck with me what 30 years now. I and I can. It's interesting. I, 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 I use remember. that phraseology, the three legs of a stool, talking about therapy, and I say, and you've heard me say this: they've got to get you, you've got to get them, and together you have to make progress. And if one of those legs is missing on that stool, uh, then you either have to repair it or replace it. And you have, but you, but you, yeah, own, I, you but, I've forgotten but, that about your, your, your thing. Yeah. And he was but, talking about different things, but right. yeah, same concept, same concept. And, and, um, but you, and the other thing is you, you own the stool, the therapist, oh, yeah. the therapist doesn't own the stool. You own the, th- you own the stool and you've got to own it. Best piece of advice you ever got in your life, Jeff. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, when I was a, a sergeant, I chewed this guy's ass. It was a corporal I had, a uh, corporal. Um, and I, the guy pissed me off, embarrassed our unit, you know? And uh, I, I, I basically field stripped the guy, his whole personality, all his flaws. In about 10, it was a Gettysburg of a guess. <laughs> Of, of malice aforethought, you know? And uh, my, my lieutenant was a former enlisted guy named Lieutenant Roach, of all things. 
said, hey, you know, I heard that. He goes, uh, that guy will never be worth a fuck again. I never heard of such a well thought out, and I didn't really, it just came out, you know. So you basically made that guy think that he'll never be able to to, to improve in your eyes ever. You got to always leave somebody when you know uh, when you're um, correcting somebody. You got to you got to leave the room for them to you know to be better and uh, not be so you know pejorative about it. Always remember, your job is not to be right. Your job is to execute successful missions, and you got to use people to do it. And so, whenever you're you're talking to Marines, you keep that in mind. Keep that in mind that uh, this thing you got here it is your TO weapon. If you're a leader in the Marine Corps, your TO weapon, your lieutenant, isn't your four, your nine mil or your you know M4. It's those Marines you got, and so consequently, you got to be uh, very careful about how you do stuff. Uh, that I got, I'm lucky I got it when I was like 24 years old, mm-hmm. and 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 of all the stupid fuck ups I've made in my life, one of the least was screwing up my. You know, my subordinates because of that. Got it. Got it. Well, best piece of advice you ever got? Yeah, uh, it's, I'm not sure I can en- encapsulate it in so few words, but it was uh, when I was a, when I was a lieutenant, I did this thing after uh, CBS and IOC, the Naval Academy midshipmen would go to Quantico and they'd be there for a week each. And it was part of the summer training. And uh, so I was, uh, I was a second lieutenant on the staff of that, uh, waiting for my son to be born. And um, the guy who was in charge of it was a guy named Charlie Arnold, Major Arnold, um, who was on the staff of the Naval Academy, Dartmouth guy. And, uh, and uh, something happened one time where we're all in the officer. So it's a major, two captains, and like eight lieutenants. And I was right. And he was wrong. And and I'd known the guy for like two years. Before that. I, I really thought highly of him. But I was right and he was wrong. And I would not let it go in this meeting. And afterwards he took me aside and he said, and Will, you, you were right. I was wrong. You can actually express it probably better and you'll You'll get, you'll get what you want, right? But the way you express it is not going to go well with a lot of people. And I'm not sure I ever took that advice. <laughs> I right? was going to say, for the best advice but, you ever got, did you yeah. ever really internalize that? Yeah, but <laughs> but that was, uh, and it's funny. It's a lot easier for me to see that when other people do it, right? And it yeah. it made me a much more humble leader particularly when people pointed out that I was wrong, you know, and and it, and then I, you know, you go full circle. So then I'm a second lieutenant. Then you go all the way when you're a colonel with general Dumford and, and Dumford's, you know, one of the things he knew is that nobody wants to tell generals the truth. And he was the most patient guy and listening to people. And, and and he would, you know, task people to do things and they'd bring in a crap product that just drove me batshit. 
because there's limited time. And he was, hey, Will, you got to have him keep coming back. It's the only way I get information. And so he was, he was good at listening to crap, um, but he was good at, at eliciting things from people. Um, I'm not sure I remember a lot of people going in his office and telling me he was wrong. Um, but, but yeah, it was one of those things that, uh, and it's funny in my civilian life, it's bizarre how many people don't want to tell the boss the truth. To me, it's bizarre because it's so easily measured in the civilian world, but people are, are, they, I guess they've told the boss the truth before and they got their ass kicked for it. And my, you know, or, or, they've got, sure. or they've got promoted for by not telling the truth and telling the boss what yeah. they want to hear, and so telling the <laughs> truth would be diametrically opposed to that. I, but the but best it was advice, funny. Go ahead. Charlie Arnold didn't chew my ass for being an ass with him. Um, it helped somehow. Yeah. I don't know. No, the best piece of advice I ever got, I, I, I tell this story all the time, but from my company, Gunny, um, after helicopter crash. And he told me, he said, you'll never get over this. And, and then all the things that have happened to me since, and to include what I do today, you know, whenever, and there's days that you struggle with, you know, the things that have happened in your life. I, I hear a guy who would have died for me, right. Looking at me saying, Hey, you're never going to get over this. And when you struggle with it, it, it's normal. You're a human being. And I mean, I got that advice in, I don't know, September day in 1993. And, uh, and, and long before my nephews were murdered, long before, you know, I have a sister that freezes to death, long before any of my combat deployments or anything like that, any of the stuff that would happen there. And, you know, I, honestly, I thank God that he was there that day. So, I mean, I, I, and, and a unique piece of advice. And it, is the, it was the mental health tradition that was handed down in the Marine Corps because there was nobody else. And I, I, in, I, as I reflect on it, I thank God he was there. Uh, he told me he got it from Vietnam veterans uh, that he had served with in the late 70s with 3rd Recon Battalion in Okinawa. And so, uh, best piece of advice. All right, this is the very last question. What's Give me one thing you would like to accomplish um, before you die. I want to finish the fucking book I've been writing for three years. But... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, in all honesty, in all, all, all honesty, I would like to write a book and, uh, uh, I don't even care if people want to read it or whatnot. I'd just like to finish this stupid thing I've been working on. I don't know why I haven't been able to, other than, well, other than the fact that I just haven't been able to, and I'm, and I'm, it's bugging me now and I'm almost done with my semester. So I got time now. I don't want anybody to think I sit around all day reading uh, Joe Pickett books, which, I kind of do. What um? What's the name of the book that you're working on? Oh, the the, oh, what, the what the hell one am I on now? I think I'm on the seventh Joe Pickett one. No, no, no. What's, what's the, the name of the book you're writing? Well, I had a. Does it have a title? The the working title was, "If it can't be safe, be hard to kill." But I'm definitely not keeping that. That's a stupid one because I've I've kind of changed the, the 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 narrative arc of the book a little bit. But I uh, I I. Yeah, I I don't know. I, what's I've, what's the book about? About Afghanistan and about my obs- my observations there, and uh, um, and, and you know what I, what I, what I I did over there because I, my experiences are rather unique. You know, I don't I don't think anybody knows it, any 
any, I don't think you know anyone who had all three of his kids in Afghanistan with him. Mm. Other than me. Mm. I know you would people. be right about that. Yeah. Yeah. I know people because my experience was so diametrically different than your experience. And then Jeff's and Jeff's in particular. And I, right. I felt bad for Jeff because I knew when he showed up, he was in a shit situation, man. Right. I mean, bad situation. I, right. I, so I, where are you? In, where are you in the book? I'm uh, I'm about uh, 70 percent, 70 percent. And then I, I, I stopped. I, I stopped last Christmas because I was getting back into school. I just wanted to leave it, leave it, be there for a while. Got it. All right. Well, Tim Lynch, everybody. Last question. Before I die, I would like to accomplish this. Jeff? I would like to see all the national parks in the United States. I've been all over the world. Uh, I really haven't been to my own country. But, you know, so I'd like to see Mount Rushmore. I've never seen Mount Rushmore. I've never been to Yosemite. I've never been to uh, Yellowstone. You know, um, I'd like to do that. You know, I like to talk to my wife about it a lot. And she does, too. But, you know, we're always, for one thing or another, we're, you know, we're, you know, we put it off. So that's my thing I want to do before I take my dirt nap. <laughs> you know, I, um, we, we went to Mount Rushmore. Uh, not too long ago, uh, probably 2013. And I didn't, you know, and I like you guys. I've been around the world. I thought it was the whole day was beautiful because the Black Hills of, you know, South Dakota. Uh, I mean, there's a reason that, you know, Native Americans, the Sioux tribes up there, that was sacred land to them. Uh, and because of its majesty. And then you see Mount Rushmore. And uh, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. You go up and it's just it's this thing that doesn't belong there. But it's gigantic, man. You go up there. It's this massive thing in this beautiful part of the country. And it's just uh, I don't know. I I, re- I thoroughly enjoyed that day. So. So, yeah. And, you know, I live a couple hours from Yosemite. Grew up. Never been there. Never been there. Mm-hmm. And, and I need to go there. Because it's one of the prettiest places in the, in, in the country. Will, um, before I die, one accomplishment, what would it be? Um, yeah, you know, it's odd. I don't, I don't know that I really have anything. And I, uh, my son's getting married in in ten days, and that sort of completes the trilogy for me. All my three kids will be married to wonderful people. Um. You know, I, I sort of went through this mentally a couple of years ago and, uh, and, uh, there isn't, you know, there isn't some place that I want to go or something I want to see. I've been lucky. I've been around the, yeah, around the world. I've been around the country. Um, so I, I don't, I don't have some driving ambition for anything. I really don't. Um, I try and, uh, you know, I read that Daily Stoic every day. I try and pay attention a little bit to that and uh, try and have a good day today. That's what I try and do. That's my ambition. Have a good day today. I didn't know um, you. I didn't. I didn't know you read the Daily Stoic. Oh yeah, I'm the one yeah. that turned you on to it. I think. yeah. I remember that? Yeah, I would tell people if there's one thing you want to do to change the quality of your life, and and, and I would say to change the prism that you look through on a daily basis is read the daily stoic in the morning it is um uh it's great stuff it's it'll take you about what will 
60 seconds to read it? it? It takes a minute to read it. And then what I actually try and do, I read it before I work out. And then when I sit down and have breakfast, I read it again. And I try and think about it for just a little bit. And some of the stuff is uh, not very useful. And some of his interpretation, I think, is crap. But just in thinking about it that way, you think about it. And what it, I mean, it gives you a certain, uh, don't worry about a bunch of shit, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it helps you focus on what's really important. And if, and if you try and think about it and what's going wrong or going right with you any given day, I just find it pretty valuable most days. So, yeah, no, I, to me, it's one of the, it's, it's a life changing book because, you know, and, and as you will just mentioned, one of the horizontal themes in stoicism is, you know, worry about that, which you can control. And, and and don't worry about the things that you don't have control over, and so focus on that which you do. And so, no, I would by Ryan Holiday. Uh, you can download it. Like I said, you know, take sixty seconds to read about a half a page of it, and it lines up with the calendar. And uh, to me, mm-hmm. a, li- a life changing book. Tim's was he wanted to write a book. He wants to get his book that he's writing published, and so that's Tim's. So. <laughs> are there any final are there any final ones no i i when timmy and i we're, we're supposed to talk about force design and there's a whole bunch of it but you know what i i just i don't feel like doing that yeah, and, no, no. and i do love talking to my friends about life and and uh and getting their thoughts and sometimes uh going off the page and so that's what we're uh doing today and so what i will do is i will take this format i will have will and jeff on tomorrow morning I will record, I'll play Tim's stuff, and then I'll ask them the same questions. We'll fill in the balance, and that will be the program. And so. That uh, would be weird. I would expect you to, no, I would expect you to play what I what we did just now, and then all three of you fuck with me about it. That's That would be the more, well, of, that would be the mucus meeting format. I don't want so to say that with. that's not going to be what's going to happen before. <laughs> I mean, the preamble will be them ridiculing you because you spoke first. <laughs> But I didn't really want to say that to your face um, and make you <laughs> make you feel bad after you've already been taking the test about no, being your podcast expert tree has been assaulted. <laughs> so I don't want to make this any more of a difficult day. But uh, that, in fact, uh, is probably what will happen. Um, yeah. Although I will say this. I think um, they will find your words more food for thought than food for ridicule. Yeah, um, there you go. You're getting good at this, man. No, I've done it a little bit. No, yeah, I again. I, I, this I is, we've been doing this for you know a long time. Not only I don't mean on All Marine Radio, but um, these discussions and and the one thing that has always been the case uh, with my friends and Tim's one of them is, I mean they're smart guys. Then they make you think. If if you walk out of those conversations and you know and and you know we've always been around funny, smart. Um, guys, and uh, whether they be guys like Lenny Echo, uh, yeah. Lenny Echo is about as plain spoken of a human being uh, as you will meet in your life, and uh, he is as smart as anybody you know. S- likes to smoke cigarettes, and uh, yeah, he's the shit man. Yeah, he's just and, and another guy named Dutch Schreiber. 
Uh, that's uh, a polished guy and a nice guy and smart, wicked smart. And you know, you you'd walk out of these meetings, you know, with your with their words bouncing around your head, thinking, "I've got to go. I've got to read that." You know what Dutch connected the way he connected that. I, I've never even thought about. And so, um, yeah. So that, I mean, I say, but there would always be a fair amount of ridicule involved in it. But that was just, that, that was more for vanity's sake than anything else, and humor, yeah. which we all love. But at the end of the day, it was it was it was always thought provoking. Yeah, I, and and the thing about the ridicule was that was one of the things how you how you kind of test people out. You know, I mean, guys are we're, when we bond together and we're friendly, it's not always friendly. You got to be able to show that you can take a little bit of shit and dish it out. I mean, you got to. You can't just be. Yeah, if you a, can't a, do that, you can't not. be like a little pup seal and get beat on. You never get invited to a mucus meeting, man. No, oh, no. Get- well, we might invite you. You might not want to come yeah. um, because you would become the whooping boy. Oh, um, I remember those. Those were awesome, man. No, but they. But again, my what I love most about them is that they were so thought-provoking, and they sent you back to read. They sent you back to to uh, to contemplate, and so. So yeah, I think yeah. that that's what you're. you're, you're yeah, right. man, if you can't understand Vietnam unless you understand Algeria, I I, I remember that shit. And I'm like, what? 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 Where the fuck is Algeria? And, <laughs> yeah. and they were talking. It was, the it day, was I, one of the first days, Tim and I go to IRC. They're talking. The guys there, Phil Smith, is one of them. I think Lou Craparot is arguing with them, mm-hmm. and they're talking about the Algerian insurrection, mm-hmm. and. First of all, I don't even know where Algeria is, let alone they had an insurrection. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to do well here. Right? <laughs> what in the fuck are they even arguing about? And I'm sitting there like watching this thing going, yeah, I'm like in the intellectual deep in the pool because where's Algeria? Does, I mean, I think it's someplace like near the Mediterranean. I think that's, I mean, North Africa, maybe if I'm not mistaken, but I'm not real sure. And did it, and they had an insurrection, and these guys know about it, and they're arguing about the nuances, the nuance of the insurrection. Like, I uh, is it too late for me to go be an SPC in a company um, at the basic school because I'm not sure that this is a good place for me. But no, but no, they inspired you and they challenged you to to, to be a better version of yourself. So, yeah. with the music playing, and I'm not sure why it's playing. Um, that means it's time for us to go. So, Tim, thank you very much for the thought-provoking discussion. And we will talk about – there's six separate articles that that we're supposed to talk about. Uh, But we're not going to do it, obviously, today. Um, But they are, starting in in the appropriate order, John Schmidt, um, the the author of FMFM1 and MCDP1. Mm -hmm. And um, and then the the order of the article goes – Zinni writes one, Van Riper writes one, uh, General Newbold writes one, and then um, General, what's his Dake. name? Dake. Dake, D-A-K-E. Dake. He writes one about aviation. And then the sixth one is, is the lead is General Krulak, mm-hmm. uh, and then General Sheehan, and then General Zinni. Um, and essentially what you have in the Washington Post is an opinion piece where a former commandant takes on the sitting commandant um, in public, in print, which is unprecedented. And so uh, what I wanted to do was I wanted to take those and have you know my friends pull out 
um, a thought from each. We go around and, and discuss it, and, and we'll do that. And then what I want to do is I want to take some of the pieces that have taken them on and challenged them. I want to do the same thing with them. And, yeah, no, uh, that's cool. Yeah, and so so we shall do that, but not today. So, Tim- right, Timothy, thank you. Kadoff is my friend. I will talk to you later. There you have it. See you. All right, well, look, uh, this, we're not going to do what are you reading this week, So, because this is such a solemn kind of departure from our normal shit. But uh, I don't really feel like doing uh, our normal shtick. And uh, so I, people, again, uh, people think like, well, would anybody find this stuff interesting? And uh, and yet people always do, right? You try to do good stuff and then like, ah, oh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you do something like this and then you hear about it constantly like, oh, yeah, you know, Kenny wants to see the national parks. That's the last thing I thought he would want, you know. And uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, so people find it interesting. So I appreciate your time well, this morning. Like you are the Fuhrer of the podcast. We that, This we, we know. We, so I'm just gonna. My ambition also is to read the Gettysburg Address and know what's in it. And, and, and like the Daily Stoic, it's only going to take me a minute and a half to read it. You know, I'm going to yeah. do that. So, well, you threw me a curve. You, I, so you quote. I mean, and you with you know you're 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 a prolific reader, right? And you have yeah. this photographic memory, and then you fire something out of the Gettysburg Address. I'm like. And like I'm stupid. I, I don't even remember that. It's one of his other one of his other speeches. <laughs> his because... other his lesser known Gettysburg address. Yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, and like these guys said, David Stoke, I'm thinking, Shakespeare. That without remedy should be without regard. You know? And he said Shakespeare wrote that in a in a critique of the Gettysburg Address. And uh <laughs> 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 What a genius. Four hundred years before it was said. Yeah, he wrote <laughs> uh, I right. gotta be. I gotta end this thing a little bit of absurdity. I'm sorry. That's all right. That's all right. Hey, Jeff, stay on for one second, though. All right. All right. On that note, we're signing off because Will and Jeff has business to take care of. So have a great weekend. <laughs> That'll do it. I hope that all came out right. I'm trying to splice it back and forth. I don't know if I screwed any of that up. <clears throat> I tried not to. But anyway, uh, just interesting stuff, right? Every once in a while, I like to do stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I like that. Smart guys, interesting lives, and interesting thoughts. So on this Friday, thank you very much for listening to the last program in April. We'll start the month of May on Monday, and we'll take a look at those six articles and get their thoughts on that. So thanks for listening today. Have a great weekend. Um, if I can help you help somebody, uh, don't be afraid to reach out. On that note, I'm Mike McMara. This is All Marine Radio. We'll see you on Monday. Stay safe. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs>